Hey guys, I know I'm on tour. I'm in New York, Atlanta. A bunch of tour dates coming up. I know that if you go to birdbirdbird.com, you will find all those tour dates. You will also find my book. You can rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast if you have not already. Today's guest, a fascinating comedian, hilarious dude on one of my favorite shows, Silicon Valley, Kumail Nanjiani. This is They did it for a TV show. They did it for Man Caves. So, uh, so that's why there's two TVs, because it's razzle-dazzle. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty nice. It's a great room. It's better than anything. I always think, I say this, and I, I have a different kind of heart than I think everyone else. But like, I'd like, I'm, we're ready to buy a new house. And I was like, I kind of want to give this to a young comic with a family because it's a great school thing. And like rent it out for what we pay in mortgage, which is nothing. Yeah. But like help someone like pay it forward, give it to like, you know, someone who's kind of like, like I was when we bought this house. I was like kind of struggling. Well, but. I mean, I don't know if a struggling person would be able to afford this house. Very, very low mortgage. Really? Yeah, I put a, I put, a, I saved up a ton and put a ton down. So the mortgage is, I would venture to say, the mortgage is definitely less than you spend in rent. How much is this? Uh, how long have you had this place? The house? Yeah. Uh, got the house when I in. I want to say, th- I guess three years ago now. Okay. So three years ago it was right there, the bottom of the market. Yeah. So very, very bottom of the market. That's the best time to do it. And the guy had owned it, who'd passed away, and a church owned it. And so there was no real vested value in it. So it wasn't like someone was trying to sell it to buy their next house. It's great. He gave it to a church, and the church owned it, and they were like, we're just trying to make, we're just, we're going to make all the money off the sale of the house, and it's going to go to our church. So we, it's, I mean, we're, it's, it's going to be really tough to leave this house because we fit in it. I mean, it was a little cramped. We yeah. fit in it. And this man cave is fucking amazing. This place is unreal. This man cave is like... I, I don't think anyone's ever come in and been like, oh, it's okay. Like, it's... I should do this to my... get my. I have a garage. I should do this to it. Yeah. Because I'm, like, I'm like using it as like... Well, this is great because you got your office here so you can work here. Yeah. It's... it's uh, there's not... Um, my wife was just in here working out. Yeah. Watching something about Mary. I worked out this morning... Uh, the girls come right. in like we had a big slumber party. Stop showing off about <laughs> how much your family so works out. <laughs> uh, I walked in, your wife was like, oh, Bert was just working out. Is this, you guys like coordinate? Like, listen, we're not going to work out. We're going to talk about it. It is so hard. Can I tell you like what a phony I am? Because like usually this place is a fucking, it's a mess right now, but usually no, it's, it's like great. a real mess. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, there's a fine line between cleaning the man cave and presenting the man cave. You're presenting it right now. Uh, I, I put the skateboard up like that so you know, yeah. <laughs> really you put that up well i was, it was, was the tennis racket there no, the tennis, that's, that's, that's been there that's, that's been okay. there that's been oh, there oh fuck gotta put up the red fox album camille's yeah. coming over <laughs> these expensive whiskeys gotta put that out <laughs> this is just colored out. water i pulled the, i pulled the whiskeys out the uh, coconut water has been presented <laughs> okay all right and the kombucha or is uh, it kombuka yeah. what is kombucha? this kombucha yeah, I've never had that. It's stuff. really good. It's not. It's hot, so it wouldn't be. Is that it good. tea? No, it's like a. Um, it's like a I, juice. I don't think I know what it is. Really, isn't it like? It's a juice. It tastes like a juice, but it's uh, fermented. So when I was when I when I was I was Dude, working fermented with, stuff. I'm not on board. For I was working really hard to not drink on airplanes. Uh, I still am. I, I've gotten a lot better. I've gotten it's gotten easier, but um, my hardest part was the ride to the airport because that's where I normally had my first drink. I'd have like a. Service tumbler. While driving down? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm, I'm taking a car service. I'm sorry. I wouldn't oh. drive myself. <laughs> Just like swinging a beer <laughs> on the 405. <laughs> I have a flight to catch. It's so, it's so, uh, but I needed something to replace that drink because that drink would be what I focused on for the whole ride down. Wait, do you not like flying? I do not like flying. You hate it. Uh, I've gotten, I've actually gotten amazingly better. I think it just comes with the territory. You just do it. I just do it. I've always yeah. done it. I remember going to a doctor and being like, "I have a fear of flying," and they're like, "Well, let's let's see what we can do to get you on a plane." Oh, oh no, I fly a lot. I fly like a hundred thousand miles a year. Yeah, and they're like, "Then you don't have a fear." Then you don't have a fear. Then I know a guy who doesn't fly, and when he has a job, he has to take the, a train across the country. Really? Yeah, and he said he was fine with it until one time something bad, like his family member was sick and he was had to fly, and he got on the plane and he was nervous, and the plane like did that thing, you know, when it first takes off, it like took a right, yeah, and he was just looking down and he just saw the fucking ground and he oh. was like, "That's it, never flying again," and he hasn't flown now in eight years or something. Wait, where'd you grow up? Pakistan. 
You grew up in Pakistan? Mm-hmm. Really? Yep. I remember the first time I met you. Do you remember? What was it? It was at Ari Shafir's show. Oh, yeah? At the improv? Yeah. Oh, wow. And yeah. You told the story about peeing your pants and yeah, I guess in Pakistan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was in Pakistan. It's yeah. so funny. I can hear a great story. I think sometimes this is why people like to hear your jokes again. Like, people go, I, I came to your show and you didn't tell that joke. And yeah. as comics, we're always like, uh, I'm writing new stuff. And they're like, no, I wanted to hear it. And you're like, yeah, yeah but you know the punchline. I know that story, but I don't remember that story. Yeah. Like, I just remember loving it. Oh, yeah. You listen to it, and you know, like, oh, yeah, that, oh, this part's coming up. That exciting thing. Yeah. Like, dude, I watch movies over and over. You had something about Marion when I walked in. That I've seen that movie so many times, and I, th- that movie's still funny to me. I know all the jokes. I just love watching it. I haven't seen it. it in forever, so I started watching it this morning. It's funny, right? It's funny as fuck. When they show, I the forgot penis. they showed his dick and balls yeah. in the zipper. Yeah. I laughed. I was like, I, like I just saw it for the first time. Yeah, it's amazing. The, I would say one of the hardest I've ever laughed at a movie is that fucking jizz in the hair thing. Yeah. Because there's such, it's so, so much buildup. It, it starts with uh, Chris, uh, Chris Elliott telling him, like, you got to clean the pipes. That's a funny scene. Then it's him, like, going through the catalog to find out what to jack off to. That's a funny scene. And then he jerks off, and then it's gone. He can't find it. And that's tense. And then she shows up, and then she sees it on his ear. Yeah. And she puts it in her hair. And then it cuts hard to, like, her with her hair, like, hitting the ceiling. It's it's so many funny jokes, and the payoff is so huge. It's it's such a great. Uh, it really is such a great movie. I, I love it because like I I I remember that it's Bet Favre, but they're like, what happened to that last boyfriend, Pac Man? Yeah, and you're like and the, and you're like, oh, because sh- but they set it up with Shuggy Shuggy. What's the sh- so? What's the boy? What's Chris Elliott's name in the movie? Is oh yeah, Shuggy uh, Woogie 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 Woganowski. Yeah, I yeah. hate I hate to say this, but I think. I might have said a racial slur in there somewhere. Is it Schwuggy? I think it's a racial These slur. fucking Schwuggies. But, but I was in. really trying to guess the guy's name. Is that really Schwuggy is a racial slur? In the South, yeah. For who? Uh, black people? Yeah. Oh, if yeah. it's the South, it's got to yeah. be about black people. <laughs> it's the only ones they have racial slurs for. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like they, have, they don't have a slur for Asian people. They just have a hundred for they black don't have, people. They don't have, they don't really have, not say they, they don't have. But like, and then this is how, by the way, this will tie into how I met you is, they didn't really have much diversity no. past uh, African Americans and like Cubans sure. growing up. They didn't have, I mean, like, I want to say Mexicans just showed up in, a, in, in Georgia within the last... 10 years? Yeah. 15 years? I was just in Georgia a couple of days ago. It's crazy that there aren't that many. At least where I was, I was in Atlanta. There weren't as many Mexican places. Like here you walk around, there's a Mexican place everywhere. Same as Chicago, but there it wasn't like that. It's all Southern food. Yeah. Now, wait, where did you guys... Do you, this is going to sound... By the way, I... Uh, bathe sometimes in ignorance. So I, not in like wanting to, but I uh-huh. say things I don't know if I, they're offensive. But you guys moved from Pakistan, the whole family? I did on my own. What? Yeah, I moved alone when I was 18. I went to college on my own. And now my, now my parents are here. Now they're in Jersey. Uh, Why Jersey? Because it's the Pakistan of America. Is that- <laughs> no, no, no. That's Is, are my- there a lot of Pakistani people in, in Jersey? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of Pakistani people everywhere. They live... Not in the Pakistani area, but there's a town called Edison. And uh, it's about 20, 30 miles from where they live. And it's got amazing food. Like, food as good as Pakistan. It's also, I was looking it up, like, the Indian, American Indian porn uh, industry is Sierra also Leone. in Edison. Was that, is that her name? Not Sierra Leone. Yeah. Uh, I think Sunny Leone. Sunny Leone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but she's like... She's like half, you I know? I think she's Indian, right? Yeah, she is half Indian. But the, the, this is like... You know, this is forest bias kind of shit. This is not... What's, uh, what do you mean forest bias? Like real Indian. Like everybody's Indian. Mostly only Indian people watch it. Oh, really? You know, really? It's our fubu, yeah. Oh, shut up. It's an Edison. So wait, what... what uh, so did you always... Did you... This is... Did you long for America as a child? Did you think one day I want to go there? Well, that was always the plan. And the way it is, is sure. I mean, you know, all the shit I watched was American stuff, like Hollywood movies and stuff, and TV shows, watching Watch and being like, they just walk around like this over there. I mean, but, but that sounds crazy to hear you say, because I don't know you any, anything other than American. Yeah. Like, so no, I, I grew up there. And uh, yeah, it was always like, you know, there's like you romanticize the West. And obviously, you guys you guys get movies first. You know, you guys at McDonald's. We didn't have fucking McDonald's. Like, all that stuff. Yeah. You all you have is Pakistani food? Well, now there's a McDonald's. No, we had like, we had our own chains. Like, we had our own burger chains. I remember the first chain that opened. The first, like, 
Well, it was Wimpy's, but that's British, I think. The first one, I believe, was uh, Shakey's was the very first one. Really? That's the one we got first, Shakey's. And I remember being like, this food is amazing. They were the first one to deliver food. We had no food delivery. Shakey's and then uh, I think Pizza Hut was the first one that opened. And Pizza Hut was like a very expensive restaurant over there. Do you find it interesting that as a youth, you got American food and kind of lost your mind? You're like, this is amazing. But Americans are the complete and total opposite. Whereas if you introduce to them, like say, uh, let's just say Indian food, they're like, oh, I don't want that shit. Yeah, no. I, I mean, I, you know, the American food, most people, when you grow up, you eat because it's just like sandwiches and burgers and stuff. You eat that and it's like, it's less adventurous than eating other kinds of food but i always loved all kinds of food like i fucking like food so much of my day is revolves around thinking about food what i'm gonna eat next <laughs> like sometimes the night before i'm like all right, i'm gonna eat this i'm like right now uh i got another thing after this and then i'm like thinking like all right i'll be around there so i can eat this like it's it's I, really I, I love all yeah 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 i mean to me pakistani food is my favorite and that's sort, sort of like a version of indian food like it's similar that's my spicy very spicy. Love spicy. Really? I, for, I had Indian food for the first time at, uh, when I was 29 years old. Oh, wow. Do you like Indian food? I fucking love it. Yeah. Like, I seek it out when I'm on the road <laughs> because I know it will be good. It's, it is consistent. <coughs> like, you go, well, uh, sushi. Well, I don't know. Sushi in Dayton, Ohio is probably... <clears throat> help yourself. There might be a cold one in the fridge if you want it. <coughs> is there just water? Uh, there's Diet Cokes. I don't yeah, know if I... Great. Yeah, Yeah, Um. And there's two dozen eggs. Sweet, dude. But like, uh, so, but like, yeah, you might. You have didn't to present up. the eggs. <laughs> we had a slumber party here the other night, so we had to have breakfast for the girls. Oh, for the kids? Yeah, that's the tent. Yep, that's. I got to roll it up when I was supposed to roll it up before you got here, but I couldn't get it around to it. it. So like, but like sushi in Dayton, Ohio. Is sushi in Dayton, Ohio. You, you're like, I don't know. It's a roll of the dice. It could be good. It could not be good. I, hopefully, it's a Japanese guy making it, but it probably isn't. It, it probably is just an Asian person, yeah. And passing, and but Indian food all over the world is made by Indian people, yeah. so it's always fucking good. It's you're always getting the the real deal. It's also you know so much of you know Japanese food is like preparation and stuff. Indian food, most of it's spices. So if you've got the right spices, for the most part, unless you fuck it up, it's going to taste pretty good. Like I cook, and people are. Like, like, I cook pretty well. I cook Pakistani food. And Emily's like, you're so good at it. And I kind of want to tell her, but it's like, it's not that hard to make our food. Like, if you get the right <laughs> spices, it's fucking pretty easy. Like, most of the curry and stuff, you just, like, cook it till it's cooked. Yeah. But then, you know, like, my mom is amazing. My grandmother's amazing. That, that's, that's different. That's, like, crazy. That's next level. But you could cook pretty good Indian food on your own. So, wait. So, when you came to America, how good was your English? It was pretty good. Uh, like I said, I grew up watching like American movies and shit, so it, it was pretty good. But like my jaw would hurt because I wasn't used to making these sounds for that long, you know. So that was the <laughs> toughest thing. It was like at the end of the day, I lay down, my jaw would hurt because you're making so these sounds. Fucking fascinating. Yeah, it's weird, right? That's crazy. But I, um, yeah, and you know what? When I switch languages, when I start speaking in Urdu. I could I could feel my brain going into a different mode. Like you could feel like when you're you know changing gears and it like gets stuck. Yeah, it's like that. So I'm talking to my parents and I'll turn and talk to Emily. It like feels jarring. Emily's like, your wife. She's my wife. Yeah, it, How it's long? like a, we've been married. We got secret married. This crazy shit. Uh, we got married 2007, so seven years secret married. Oh holy shit! And then we announced it a few years later, like two years later. How come? Well, we had like parent my my parents, ish, you know. Are yeah. very religious Muslim, and she's a white girl from North Carolina. <laughs> so there was it, there were issues. So it was kind of like that thing of, um, well, I, I she's married, and we're married now. So I mean, what are you gonna do? Yeah. So it was kind of like that. And now they love her; like they totally accept her. As soon as they were like, "Oh, this is he's drawing a line in the sand," they accepted her. That's really interesting. But that's what that was. It was like we just went to a courthouse in Chicago with like four or five of our closest friends and just got in line and it was such a beautiful day because it's all people standing in line so it's a lot of people who clearly eloped where it's like uh, an old guy and a young girl or somebody who's pregnant like that kind of stuff a lot of that but everybody's like really happy we went in the judge it was probably the 20th one he would performed that day but he's still 
made it feel special and engaged. He seemed very happy, like happy yeah. to be doing what he's doing. It was. It was I went to one of those uh, county clerk uh, offices yeah. in New York for Rachel Ray, and I went down and I realized, oh shit, for Rachel Ray. Yeah, for Rachel Ray, because I, I I married a couple. I'm, I can marry people. Yeah. So she had me come on the show to marry a couple. So I went down to the county clerk's office. How do you know Rachel Ray? Uh, just uh, through TV. Oh, okay. Yeah, just like doing her show. And then she got me to jump out of a plane, and I got her to do some. So we go, we'll go back and forth and do crazy stuff together. And, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and then we hung out in, my, in Mexico one time and got hammered. And like we were there for like the weekend uh-huh. and became friends. And so uh, but she had me come down to, um, to New York to do it. And I, the first thing I, I thought when I walked in, I was like, oh, this is the greatest day in everyone's life yeah like everyone here's in love oh everybody's happy but yeah it's a really beautiful place <laughs> people are talking and like you know i was like kind of not stressed out but i was like you know part of you is like it's like trying to go get a driver's license you know you got to stand in line do this but the whole yeah. thing of it was so wonderful and then we just went and got like breakfast all of us and then we just came home and emily and i just hung out like it was it was fucking it was a great day that's awesome man yeah so okay so you started uh you go to you go to school. Where did you go to school? Uh, I went to school uh, this place called Grinnell College in Iowa. It's a very small, like, it's a very small liberal arts school. Thirty hundred people in like a very small town, like a town of like nine thousand people. So it's a very like I go from Karachi, which is, um, you know, Karachi is like New York. It's like eighteen million people. It's a city. It's a, it's like you know, cars and smoke and buildings. Like it's a city, all paved. And then I went to a town of nine thousand people in Iowa. It's crazy. What did you? What did you? What was your first impressions of racism? Um, you know, honestly, uh, it what it was okay because in Iowa, for the most part, people were just sort of excited to kind of see me because they never they're like, "Where are you from?" Oh, that's crazy. What what's that about? <laughs> they really like wanted to talk about it. They were cool about it. I remember. One of my first, I was walking down the street in Iowa, and there was this town, and people would come and just drive around the town and hassle the college students. And this guy, like, drove by, and he, like, looked at me, looked kind of confused, and then he just drove by, and then he went around the block, and he came back, and he looked at me again. And then he was, like, cause he was figuring out what to call me, but he hadn't, didn't have the racist vocabulary for it. <laughs> and so he was, like, and then he finally was, like, you! You're a jigaboo. Like, that's what he called me. He, like, decided. What a horrible, ig- ignorant... Well, you can't even get... I would have... You're being ignorant at being ignorant. Yeah. Like, you can't even get racism right. Yeah, but he called me... That's a that's that's for black people. That's a harsh word. Oh, yeah. That's, I don't know. I, I mean, I find it kind of goofy. It sounds cute. It, so, it does. Like something you'd call your, like, dog when it's like, oh, you... I don't want to <laughs> say it now, but... I know. I guess I'm very cognizant of... Uh, I'm not cognizant... Like when the Donald Sterling stuff went down, everyone's like, someone said to me, live your life like you're always being recorded because you got you to realize that. And I realized, oh. no, what if I just live my life like a really great person? Yeah. Like just really great. And, I, and, I, like, and everyone thinks things. Everyone thinks horrible things. Yeah. The, the goal of, a good, of being a good person is to, is to get to the place where you never think horrible things. And you always look at, my dad's really fucking good at this. My dad um, will... I don't know if it's just instinctual, but he looks at like he doesn't. He just sees. He looks for like what it probably is. Like, say, he, I mean, I can't even do an example of it. But like, I, like my dad sees everyone as an underdog. So I think my dad's an underdog. Uh huh. And so I think if you're an underdog, yeah, you start seeing the underdog quality in people, yeah, and you don't see race like an like a like an alpha, not an alpha, but an alpha in society, yeah, just ignorantly looks just brushes things off to race but yeah. like someone who feels like they're always been an underdog yeah empathizes with people a lot quicker yeah and i think that you know that's why like you know star wars isn't about the empire it's about the rebellion it's about the underdogs like that's what we want to see that's what's interesting wait did, okay let's get to this then so did you always like uh fantasy and like comic book stuffs yeah i never honestly was big into star wars but yeah I, my my shit was horror movies like when i was a little kid really what happened was I had an uncle who lived in Qatar, Doha, and he – someone, like, gave him, like, 200 video cassettes to smuggle to Karachi for somebody else. You can't just bring them in? No. You're not allowed to just bring them in. Why not? <clears throat> um, because I don't know, but customs over there, like, is really, really tough. I wonder if there's some sort of import and t- embargo. Yeah, something weird, but, but – 
so so he brought over like 200 tapes and this guy was supposed to come and pick them up and this guy never came to pick pick up these tapes so suddenly i i just one day had 200 more movies in my house and they were like old like classics you know like how the west was one but also like a ton of like um sort of B-horror movies. Yeah. Uh, like, the original God in 60 Seconds was there, but also, like, I think Hell Night was there. I saw that. Um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, a lot of, like, action movies. Uh, Firefox. But then old, like, classics, too. So I just started watching them, and I wasn't allowed to watch the horror movies. So I'd wait until my parents were out of the house, and then I'd watch them. Um, Shut up. So, so yeah, so th- that's how what I started. a romantic way to get into art. That's how I love, fell in love with, like, watching... Uh, I watched a movie every single day of my life, pretty much all through high school, too. Every day I would watch a movie. Um, and, uh, yeah. I, I, so, so, so I love that stuff, like, from the beginning. I love, like, dragons and shit. That was my stuff. Uh, fantasy. Uh, obviously, I remember I would go to this video store. It's this illegal video store and the little poster of Robocop there. And Robocop went, is a great fucking movie. Robocop's still one of the best movies. Yeah. But I went with my mom to this place, and uh, I was like, hey, I want to get Robocop, because he's half, half man, half robot, all cop. And the guy was like, <laughs> my mom was like, is that okay for him to watch? And the guy was like, no. And that fucked me for so many years. I couldn't watch Robocop. <laughs> and so then I watched that secretly, and I was like, oh, yeah, this movie's fucking great. I remember watching Robocop, and I, but, but we didn't have that. Video store opened up, and all you couldn't get was like, I remember Gator Bait was the one I really wanted. What's that? Oh, it's a fucking semi-porn. It's like a girl and like a... Uh-huh. I, was any, I was anything pornography. Like, oh, yeah. Like, I, well, yeah, like I think I... I think I was... I saw Wonder Woman the other night on uh, WEG. The think, old Wonder Woman? The old Wonder Woman. Pool, boy, it moves slow. She was. It moves so slow. <laughs> Some old TV does not hold up. Uh, it really doesn't hold up. But you know what holds up? She was beautiful. Yeah, she's. Gorgeous. She was beautiful, and she's tall. She's perfect. I mean, she really is perfect. I saw her at a Comic Con recently. Just Are you going like, to Comic Con this week? I can't go. I'm doing Montreal instead. It's Uh-oh. the same fucking weekend. Are you going to Comic Con? Yeah, I leave uh, Wednesday. Oh, it's my. F- I love it. I'm coming I've never back. Been. I dare. You've never been? No. How are you with crowds? Not good. Okay. Really? It's, it's very crowded. Really? It's so, just like you walk the floor, which you got to do. You got to walk the floor. Yeah. It's just people. It's just people. But at that point, like maybe you're not going to go to crowds at a party where people are talking to you and stuff. This is just this is just like furniture moving around. You're not, really? You're not talking to anybody. Yeah. But I love it. I love that stuff. But does it smell weird? Yeah, it smells like a bit of nerd bo. <laughs> it smells bad, dude. You know what's worse is um, to these guys, this booth babes there. You know, uh, and they basically so it's like for a movie they'll have these very hot women and like one woman outfits or whatever, and these nerds will go like, "Can I get a picture with you?" Put their arm around him, and these girls said, "My wife was talking to one of them." They get. Uh, stink shoulder they call it because their shoulders are in the guy's armpits all day every day for like you know 100 guys a day so they have to have like they have a sanitizer just for their shoulders shut up yeah so wait what was the first thing you did when you got to america were you just like all right i want to fuck like i like i would imagine it's like it like and i said this this way fuck is that what you said no no but when i was a kid when we went to amsterdam i was like all right we're getting weed right now yeah like that's why we looked at amsterdam and i'm sure how old were you when I went to Amsterdam? Yeah. 22? Okay. And so we were like, we're getting weed, we're getting mushrooms, we're going to get ecstasy. And you've done all this shit, but I've done you're, you're going to do it legally. Yeah. Even even at, at 41, I went to Denver last. Oh, no. I know. It was very exciting. Yeah. And I was like, I got to go to a dispensary. Yeah. I'm a, look, if nothing, I'm a, I'm a, I will say straight up, I'm a traveler and I'm an adventurer and that's the way I live my life. And, I've, and I will see the thing that's brand new in that city. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go and be like, give me the fucking Chibachu Decadose. No. But, but I want to see it. Yeah, I want to go see what those stores look like. Have you been? I, w- I was there like two weeks after that happened, so uh. all the dispensaries were out. Yeah. So I went to a dispensary. They didn't have anything. But uh, you know Adam Caton Holland? Uh-uh. I don't, maybe He's I do. I don't Denver know. comic. Very funny. He sort of took us around. We went to a bunch of dispensaries. They're all closed because they were out. I'm so quick to say I don't know people, and I apologize because I probably do. But he's, I just I'm so quick to go. I, I don't know. He lives in Denver, but he's here a bunch. He's really really funny. Denver's got a great comedy scene. But when I first landed, I mean, I for me it was, uh, you know, girls. I I wanted to, I just wanted to 
I'd never shaken hands with a girl until I was here. And I remember I was at this party and I shook hands with this girl. And it was, I was like, oh, my God, this is what they feel like. It was amazing. Are you serious? Yeah, it's, it was amazing. People, you know, they're like, did it feel like you got to first base? I was like, no, it felt like a fucking home run. Like, it, it was amazing. And I still, that girl, like, I, like, think about her. It was just a girl, not particularly attractive, but, you know, I was like, oh, man, they feel different. So, wait, so then when was the first time, had you kissed a girl at that time? Yeah, I just hadn't held hands with her, but I'd kissed her. No, I'd never touched a girl, like, other than my mom. Yeah. And, like... And mom's taste... Taste. <laughs> mom's, mom's taste bad. Mom's taste bad. So, wait, so then, so then who is the first girl you, like, hooked up with? It wasn't until... Because I didn't, you know, like, at school, it was very separated. So, I wasn't good at talking to girls. I was terrified of them. So, I didn't honestly kiss a girl probably until I was... In America, over a year, like probably a year and a half I was here when I kissed a girl. Really? And I'd just seen it and I went in and I just... It must have been horrible because she was into me and then after that kiss, she was not into me. I just fucking was like, I might burn this to the ground, but I'm going for it. I'm going to see what's what's in there. And uh, yeah, I just... Uh, it was great. I'd pay... I'd, I'm being dead serious when I say this. I'd pay... $50 for the memoir of your first two years in America. <laughs> I'd pay $50 easily for just like all I need is 100 pages, but I want that yeah. documented of your first first year in America. I'd, I'm dying to hear that experience. Maybe I should. I remember it so well. Everything. Cause well, you it's know, a you, lot of firsts. It's a lot of firsts. You like remember all that. Like, you know, you remember the first time you, you know, when you were a kid, when you ate a strawberry or whatever. But this was like, I was, and I was old enough to have like more memories. So I was 18 and yeah, ton of crazy stuff. Um, just hanging out with girls, hanging out with gay people. All weird. Really? So yeah. now did you have to kind of like, cause you, I, I, and I only say this cause I know, I know you through, this little fraternity we are all yeah. we're all a part of, which is stand up comedy, and there, there's no hateful stand up comics. There, every stand up comic loves everyone in a weird way. We'll make jokes about everything, but I don't think I don't think there are very few, there are very many with hate in their heart. So I imagine you don't hate gay people. But like, but what was it like? I mean, I'm sure you were brought up like I was. Like I was, yeah, I you was know? brought up. Weird. Yeah, I was yeah. brought up that way. I was brought up yeah. where you just it was like if the gay was a was a slur. Yeah, where did you grow up? Tampa. R- fucking really. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. How far is Tampa from Miami? Uh, pretty far, like five hours. Okay. Miami is very different than Tampa, though. So, like, Florida is interesting because the further south, like, Flo- Miami, West Palm, Fort Lauderdale, Boca, like, you start going, as you go north, kind of, like, a little more ignorant. Not, and I say ignorant, but like on that too. I understand, yeah. But like it gets a little more rednecky. Okay. So like by the time you get to Daytona, you're not getting much diversity. There's no Cubans in Daytona. I mean, there are. There are obviously. But like it's not like Miami. Daytona's not like Miami, but despite the fact. And the, once you get to Jacksonville, Jacksonville's like 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 Fred Durst redneck. Like Fred Durst okay. is from Jacksonville. Okay. And then you go to Pensacola, and you wouldn't even recognize. That's like Alabama. Really? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Like hardcore accents. And then in the center of the state, like Ocala, Odessa. Uh, uh, like Orlando, Orlando's a little more metropolis, but o- o- well, because Orlando's got those theme parks, so it's yeah, got, you know, tourists. So, uh, but but like Ocala's very very small town, but big town. Tallahassee, Gainesville, very small town. So, like I say, I say, like we grew up. I like I said the first time I met you, I said I only knew one Indian guy growing up, and I said, no offense, Kamel. Yeah, <laughs> and then your first oh, when you got on right. stage was. I'm an int- well, I, don't that's, I remember that. Yeah, that was fun. It was fun because yeah. I, that's when I was like, because Tom Segura had talked about you a lot. He was like, he's really fucking funny. Oh, he's a great guy. I love and he Tom. Was like, he's like, he's got the best room in the entire city. He's like, this ner- nerd. Have is- you done it? No. Oh, you got to come do it. Yeah, I'm weird about doing sets in the city. Like, I'm, I'm, I just, I'm, I have two kids, so it's a I understand. Tough. I get it. I um, get it. Except for the fact that anything at Meltdown I'll do. Yeah. Because my kids are into comic books. Oh, sweet. so I go there, and I now I know the people there because I've you know I've done so many podcasts and yeah. Benson's Doug interruption. <laughs> yeah, we did that together. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and so and when I go in there, I'm like, all right, what will my girls like today? And they just got me these uh, Hilda books, and these Hilda books, the girls fucking read them in a night. 
Okay. And then they got the new Monster High, read them in a night. And I'm, so my girls What's are like... What's Monster High? That's why I'm going to Comic-Con, is I'm going to get Monster High doll, the brand new Monster High dolls. It's a bunch of Is children, it like a Frankenstein kid and... Children of the monsters. The monsters have had kids, and now they go to uh, school together. So they there's like a little school. vampire and a little monster. There's uh, and- Draculaura. <laughs> and Frankie Stein. Frankie Stein. Uh, let me think. Uh, who are the other ones? Uh, <clears throat> um, uh, fuck Claudette. I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to think of. There's a snowman. There's a one of them's a like a like the abominable snowman's kid. I think. Ah, uh, like Yeti's kid. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, I want to. Uh, I want to say that's her name. Uh, God damn it. I forget now, now. Now that you put me on the spot, I'm totally drawing a blank. But that's cool. So my they have like know. toys? They have faction figures? Yeah, my, dolls? Sis- my sister works at Fox, so she's got me like a pass to go in. So I'm just going straight. I'm going to hit the shit I want to see. Like, I, I got into like some comic book stuff as an adult. I yeah. had a buddy who was like, no, no, no. Because when we grew up, it's like if you read comic books, like we didn't, you didn't hang, you didn't. You didn't put that shit out there. Yeah, really? Like, oh, no one read comic books out loud. Like, uh-huh. no one was like, oh, yeah, I'm really into comic books. Uh, yeah. We were jocks. We were meatheads. Yeah. Smoke weed, get in fistfights, drive a Jeep. Uh-huh. You better learn how to surf, you know, baseball, fistfight. So, like, when I, <laughs> when I was, like, in 20, when I was, like, 31, my buddy Matt uh, Goodman was, like, the League of, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was on. Oh, he it's was, cool, right? Yeah, and he was like, have you ever seen it? And I was like, that's not my shit. Yeah. He was like, are you kidding me? I was like, dude, I'm... Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. He was like, look, try it out. Like, let's watch it together. So we sat in his room, and we had, like, a bottle of whiskey, and we started watching. I was like, wait, who's that guy? Yeah. And he's like, well, that's the... And, he, and I was like, oh, this is badass. So now now I totally can get into anything. Did you read the comic books? Did you read the... Uh, Chris Gore. Not Chris Gore. Uh, Chris... 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 Hardwick? Yeah, Chris Hardwick. Yeah. Said something to me about that. He's like, you need to get into the... The graphic novels, and I was like, I'm 41, Chris. The best stuff is really good, and then it's a steep drop-off. Yeah. But the best stuff is pretty good. And I, you know, I'm like, I mean, I was into comic books when I was a kid, and then I dropped off. But now that I've been doing the show there for four years, um, I started like, I'm like, all right, okay, so what's really good? So they're like, all right, this is really good. So I've sort of gotten back into it just from being there all the fucking time. I'm I'm also a little uh, dyslexic, so uh, so I have a hard time. the The way comic books are set up, my eyes jump everywhere. It's always jumped, and I never understood it. I just thought I was too cool for it. (laughs) But I I did try to read the Walking Dead, uh, yeah thing, yeah, and my my eyes will dart. And I can't focus. Oh, that's interesting. So, like, because well, uh, they say my daughter's dyslexic, and so we're going through that. And they're like, clearly, someone in your family is dyslexic. My wife's like, it's you. Yeah, because I don't read. I, can't, I have a really hard time reading. Oh, okay. I have a really hard time reading out loud too. If you want, get my audio book. You can hear that out loud. <laughs> so, but uh, but you learn a cheat on how to read. So for my cheat, I will look at a I'll look at a paragraph. I'll just kind of figure out that paragraph and just go like. Oh, I'll, so not really read it. You're speed just kind reading. of yeah. It's like you look at the words and you look for verbs. Okay. And you can find verbs and titles and and like that's why Anne Rand, Anne Rand, Anne Rand is yeah. so hard for me because she goes into these long three page descriptions of a fucking apartment. Oh, and, and I'm could, just like I'm out. I'm, I'm like, out. am I supposed to read all this shit? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, okay, so uh, yeah, you really should do something with that first year because I'd be I'd be fascinated. I think that would be good. I'd be fascinated I think that might be to hear. Fun. It. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes I'm like, I'm like, oh, where do I write? I want to write new material. What should I write? What should I write? And then I'm always like, oh, I have this whole part of my life that's so, like, unique to oh, people. That Dude, if you started a show and you said, I, rem- I was 18 when I first touched a girl. Do you realize how fu- you have the whole room in the palm of your yeah. hand? And I remember the only girl I had touched. I mean, I'm, I want to write. I want to be you. I want. <laughs> I want that experience so I can write about that. Yeah, that's fucking intriguing. Yeah, I really should write it. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm always like, what funny thing happened this week? And this stuff. But then I'm like, yeah, I should. When I or tell stories of like being a kid and stuff. Like there was a story about how at this birthday for the uh, like entertainment, they got like a snake and a mongoose to fight. <laughs> and I do this long eight minute long story about like all these eight year old kids just watching fucking brutal, violent mayhem, blood. <laughs> a snake and a, 
Ricky Tiki Tommy. Yeah, we're just like, yeah, look at this, and then it just like rips its fucking head off. It takes so long. It's a long fight. We just all watch silently with like uneaten cake on our plates. It's <laughs> so like that kind of stuff is fun. Yeah, dude, can I just? I want to. I'm so jealous that you have experience. <laughs> like you realize that every comic's drawing from the exact same set of experiences. Yeah, we're all we're all like. Like, I remember I had this bit about my wife giving birth, and I thought it was genius. Someone was like, yeah, I used to do a bit like that. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, but mine's different. And then Opie from Opie and Anthony had a kid, and he did my bit verbatim. Not really? did my bit. He yeah. Did, he, it was his experiences. <laughs> yeah. But they're ident- I mean, obviously, the way you're going to birth a child is identical the same way I yeah. did it. And in my head, I was like, motherfucker. Yeah. Like, if he ever hears my bit, he's going to think I took his bit. Yeah. Um, but you have a set of, like, the fact that you went to a birthday party and had a mo- snake and a mongoose fight, we just it, had clowns. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't have clowns. We usually had a monkey would like perform. We had like a monkey that would ride a bike and had a little like gun and he would like salute at ladies and shit like that, like a little fucking little monkey. Are you um, serious? Yeah. Uh, lo- monkey shows are very common in, in, at least in Karachi. You see them like people on the streets like with a monkey doing shit. So wait, when money. do people lose their virginity in Karachi? When you get married. What? Yeah. You know, uh, sex is illegal. Like outside of outside of uh, wedlock, sex is uh, there are rules against it. So if you like, and there's different levels. So if you're married and you cheat on someone, you're supposed to be stoned to death. Like it's a it's the death penalty for cheating on someone if you're married to them. And then the same for like being gay. And I think then for you know if you have sex with someone and you're not married to them. Uh, and you're not married to anybody else, then it's like a few years in jail. Like, it's all that stuff. Sweet. Did you know people that got in trouble for it? No, I didn't know anybody. Like, there, was, there were rumors like, hey, that kid has had sex. And we were like, what? He's had sex? To me, at that point, sex seems so fucking distant. I was like, I'm going to win an NBA championship before <laughs> I'll ever have sex. Like, it just felt like so crazy, like the craziest thing in the world to do. I have, okay, do you, do you tour by yourself? Uh, I tour with my wife a lot, but yeah, but just me. Is your wife a stand-up? No, no, no. We oh. just travel together a No, but, but do you tour just by yourself? Just myself, yeah. Okay, nice. What clubs are you doing? I've started now. I'm starting to like book music venues, like smaller music venues, and just get a cut at the door, because that way, you know, I could just do a couple shows a night, and clubs pay you so little, so I'm trying to do that more. Um, I think but- it's... A, I'm going to say something, it's not going to sound... It's not going to sound. Uh, it's going to. It's going to sound whatever it sounds like. Yeah, I think you're doing a disservice to humanity in America uh-huh. by not doing funny bones and improvs. Oh, I mean, I I love doing that stuff, but they just pay so little. Yeah, it's but, like you're but, doing like seven shows yeah, a weekend. You, you'll learn a lot as you're about yourself as a comic. Yeah. but more importantly, like I, it's the same thing with like people that are different than what is middle America. Need to explain to Middle America how interesting <laughs> everyone is. Yeah, I mean, I've done I've done clubs. Like my favorite club is you know the the in Denver. That's one of my favorites. I love Cap City in Austin. That's yeah. one of my favorites. Um, I did. No, fuck- no, no. I'm not talking about good like main yeah. room alt clubs. I'm talking yeah. about the Des Moines Funny Bone. Yeah, like, that was the first comedy club I ever went to. Are you Before serious? I ever did stand up, I just. Started like I fell in love with stand up like in college, like pretty late, like I was 20 or something. And I was like, I got all my friends together, like, hey, I saw this comedian. His name's Mark Gross, I believe. I saw him I know on Mark Tonight Gross, Show. Yeah. Do you? Oh, yeah, That's of course. The first comedian I saw live. I saw him on Tonight Show and I thought he was funny. I Googled it. Oh, he's at the Des Moines Funny Bone and we all wanted to He created uh, Gary Unmarried. Oh, he did? Yeah, he's like a big writer in LA. Fucking A, the skinny guy. Yeah, you should, you should fucking reach out to him. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was the first comic I saw live. I remember seeing Kyle Dunnigan on Conan, and fucking he blew me away. He had, yeah. like, one of the best sets I've ever seen. I remember when I first saw Kyle Dunnigan. I was in uh, at uh, Catch, not Catch, uh, Comic Strip up on, uh, up in mm-hmm. the Upper East Side. It was me, it was him, John Bush, and Zach Galifianakis. Oh, wow. And me and my friend Betsy. And my buddy Ty and her friend Layla went and go watch them. And then we all went to dinner and John Bush picked up the bill. Were you performing? No, I was a comic. Yeah. I wasn't performing. I was just friends with 
I was just friends with hot chicks, really, is what I was. Really? Oh, the, my whole first year of stand-up comedy is me hanging out with comics because I knew hot chicks. And as you know, comics never know fucking hot chicks. No. So, it was, <laughs> it, it, I mean, I remember I have many a story of me with, and by the way, uh, arguably the hottest women on the planet today to this date. One of them is still one of the, a model for, uh, is still a pretty high-priced model. But like in there, I went to Florida State. We had the hottest chicks in Florida State. Uh-huh. So I'd just go, hey, girls want to go see a comedy show? I'm, and then I knew some of these guys, and I'd introduce them to girls. It was like I was a little bit of a low-grade pimp. Yeah. And then they'd all come back, and we'd hang out. My get was that I could talk about comedy with the, these guys. And then when I went to the clubs, I knew people, and their get was they got to hang out with women. Yeah. And, uh, and so... You were in New York? Yeah, I was in New York. When were you in New York? I was in New York from 97 until 2001, 2000. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, it, so yeah, that was my, that was my, my in. Meeting, yeah. And so I got to, but I got to meet a lot of guys. That's yeah. the reason I became friends with Zach is because yeah. we had a mutual. And then one night I go to Zach's hotel room and, and now we know each other. And then yeah. and he's like, and he's high and he's like, I want to show you why I love this hotel. And we spent an hour of him giving me a tour of his hotel room. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so wait, so you started in Chicago? I started in Chicago. I mean, in, in college, I did a couple nights. I did two, two nights my senior year at just like the local coffee shop. They had an, you know, there was like a comedy group in, at college that I wasn't a part of. But they would put on like, they started putting on like a show once a semester with like three or four comics, people who just wanted to go up, just like college kids. And so I did that first. So I did two shows, um, and then I moved to Chicago, and I uh, started hitting open mics in Chicago. I moved to Chicago to hit open mics. Really? And then moved yeah. to L.A.? No, and then moved to New York. I was in New York from 2007 to 2000. When did you start comedy? When did I start comedy? I started like early 2002, end of 2001. Okay. Like right after 9-11. Great time to start. That's a really good time. <laughs> especially being, that was tough. What especially I was gonna, being a, a, a darker shade of white. <laughs> that's what I'm saying is that when you ask me how racism was, it was fine. Yeah, dude, could not be worse. <laughs> it was also tough. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck was oh that? Oh my god! All right, I think we're ready to laugh at this, right? Oh no, not yet. Okay. <laughs> I started right after that, oh, I but I didn't start because of that because I was a big comedy fan. But what happened was right after that, you probably don't remember. I was hyper aware of it. A ton of like Middle Eastern comics got really huge, like kind of blew up right after that. Uh, Omed Ahmed, they did the Access of Evil comedy. They did Access of Evil. There was another one called Allah Made Me Funny, which was Azar Usman, who was a a Chicago comedian. There was a guy, his name was Ray Hanania, who was a columnist for some local newspaper, and then he became a comedian. And like 2020 was doing stories on them, Dateline was doing stories on them, all this stuff. And I was like, I don't want to be like those guys because it felt. I mean, you know, those guys are funny; they're they're cool. But it felt like they were like, oh, there's a thing. Let's let's see what we can do with this moment in time. And my favorite comedy was, you know, probably your favorite comedy. It wasn't about that kind of stuff. And I wanted to do the stuff that my favorite comedians were doing. I didn't want to do. I didn't. I, I, it's very smart of you not to put a glass ceiling over your head before you start. Yeah. Before you even know what yeah. you're doing. I was like, I mean, I mean, what's the fucking point of? doing stand-up if one day I can't try and be as good as, you know, Woody Allen doing stand-up or Seinfeld doing stand-up or Mitch Hedberg doing stand-up or, you know, Bill Cosby or any of these guys. Which would explain entirely why you're not, why you wouldn't go up and automatically start writing about the first time touching a girl. Right. Because if you do, but you can do it, you could probably do it now. Yeah. But like having started with that, yeah. it would have been like, I'm, brand, you would have been, you would have been, uh, yeah, Bakli, ba- 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 who is, you, you're not going to get this reference. Uh, Balki. Balki Bartakamus. I know Balki Bartakamus. Okay. <laughs> you would have been Balki. Yeah, we got, you, you would have yeah. been, yeah. Yeah. So, so I like totally shied away from that. And then it wasn't until. And it's not like you don't have an accent. So right. I, when you speak, you're, it's like, it's like. One of these kids is doing his own thing type thing already. So why not try to assimilate and be a good writer That's first? That's what I was doing. It's fucking and, brilliant. And, and for you know, I would have done none of that shit. <laughs> I would have done none of it. Until like 2007, I didn't know I think material then. And then 2007, around then, and I think that's when I sort of, you know, I think every five years, your comedy hopefully takes like a different step. Like you, you to sort of, you, you, you. At least for me, I realized like I want to do something new with it, something more with it. And that was when I was like, this is a big part of my life that I'm not talking about. That's crazy. As long as I can talk about it in non-stereotypical ways that's like about me, 
then I can do it. And that's how, you know, I mean, and then years after I started doing the story of the, um, you know, I, I told the story of getting a porno stuck in the VCR because in Pakistan, like the electricity goes and like me opening up the VCR trying to get this fucking tape out. Mm-hmm. And so that's a very relatable thing, but it's also about me being from Pakistan. So I sort yeah. of started telling those stories and uh, I think it changed like nothing's got can be off limits, you know, just as long as you can do it true to yourself. I think it's good. It's yeah, I'm you. You have a really you have an interesting. I I haven't even gotten to talk to you about your show, which I'm fucking obsessed with. But I don't. I feel like I need to do another podcast with you because I'm. <laughs> I'll I'm, come back. I would love to have you back. Yeah. But but so so then so then like my, I'm fascinated by how did you how did you find how did because you started pretty much the meltdown scene correct. Yes, kind of. I mean, you know, with a ton of people, but I mean, it was me, Jonah, Emily. Emily, like, basically, you know, ran that theater for the first year and, like, started booking all the shows there. So she's the one who really sort of decided what the space is going to be, deciding, like, she curated it, what kind of shows should be there. Like, she wanted something. She said every night it should be a different kind of show. So she was like, I don't want to just have like eight stand-up shows, you know. So one night's a stand-up show. That's our show. And then one night, like people had like ideas for weird shows, podcasts, like Doug does it there, you know. Um, so she wanted like different kind of fun stuff. I'm not a big fan of live podcasts, but I liked I like Doug when he does live podcasts. Yeah. What live podcasts have you seen? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I've never seen one, actually. Yeah. I've just been on them. Okay. And, I, and I right, I'm not right, a big right. fan of – I'm not a big you, fan of it only because it's like – it takes one of two places. It's either a very serious interview or someone uh, reverts to a material. Yeah. But, you know, and so, but when you do Doug Loves Movies <laughs> or when you do The Interruption, yeah. it, I, those are fun. Doug's kind of, he's kind of cornered the market in live podcasts, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. He's got it figured out. Like, I, I know I've done some with other people and I always, you end up just, it's not like this. Yeah. You this know, it's I love. different. This is what I love listening to, you know? Yeah. Is for, like sure, the, for real. For real. Um, what were we talking about? Oh yeah. Oh, and uh, I should say this: we are the the comedy. We did a eight episodes of Comedy Central, and that starts airing Wednesday. Oh really? Yeah. The, uh, uh, this Wednesday, right now, July twenty third, uh, twelve thirty a.m. So technically the twenty third. And every 24th. Wednesday. So I will put this up. I will put this up this week. Then great. Whatever. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, really cool. Like so, we've been doing this show back there and. Someone had this idea, Mike Rosenstein, he works for a production company, and was like, hey, we should pitch this for TV. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I just like doing the live show. And he's like, all right, well, uh, tell them that you'll have to shoot it here and just bring in cameras. And that's what we did. What's the premise? You guys go in. And by the way, I will say It's this. just a stand-up show. We just host stand-up. Oh, it's just stand-up? Yeah. There's no behind the scenes? No, like, oh, there's out? behind the scenes. We approached it. We wanted it to be like a documentary of the night. So yeah. Every show is like, like, for instance, Tom Wilson. You know Tom Wilson? He played Biff in Back oh, to yeah, the Future. Oh, yeah, I know Tom Wilson. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Good guy. <laughs> Tim Wilson's a comic. He just died. Yes. Um, but he did... So he had a keyboard, and his keyboard malfunctioned, and it took us a long time to fix it. So that's in the episode. It's like, this is what putting on a show is like. You know? so, we, I, yeah. so we put it on like that, and it's not like me going, Bert Kreischer, and then you come on stage. It would just be like you and me hanging out, and then it'll cut to you on stage, and it'll yeah. cut to another moment. Like, so, so we really, it's like a documentary. So it's, it's a very different feel from any comedy show that I've seen. Now what, what, uh, what comics do you have on it? Well, our biggest one, I was fucking excited. Tom Wilson did it, but we, we got like Weird Al fucking did it and uh moshe did it um we had um tom lennon did it uh we had some uh, who who was the other uh nick offerman what we wanted to do is we wanted to get people who don't traditionally do like five minute sets on tv so like nick offerman from parks and rec yeah adam scott did a little bit with us we did a little bit with the workaholics guys so we just kind of wanted to put on people people on tv that you don't normally see doing stand up on tv that's um, interesting but um or like we got Neil Brennan and we got people and we're just like the biggest thing was we didn't vet any of the sets. That was the thing with Comedy Central. Wow. We were like, We're not gonna ask them what they're gonna do, you're not gonna ask us what they're gonna do, we're gonna book the people we think are funny and let them do whatever the fuck they want. So Neil Brennan did this thing, he was like, I've always wanted to do this thing. He had three microphones, three stands on stage, and he said one was gonna be a story. So he would tell a story, then one was going to be a one-liner, then one was going to be a real unfunny 
possibly revealing fact about his life. So he would do a one-liner, do a longer story that was funny, and then talk about how he's on antidepressants and how he feels about that, and then go back. So it was like this really cool, fun, weird thing that wow. you can't do on Letterman. You know? Well, that's the one thing I'll say about the Meltdown Room is that I remember getting Doug was like, "Will you come in?" I had said to him I wanted to do the machine story. Yeah, and uh, and he was like, "Well, why don't you do it in Meltdown?" Yeah, and I like, and I called Sigur and I'm like, I, like sometimes I I have a I have a tougher time at UCB sometimes because like just being me because you forget you to, you totally forget that people do just as people size profile people people are profiling me. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, and that room is a certain style of it's a certain style of person. It's a certain style of performance, and it's yeah. a certain style of person. It's like the sort it's of been groomed nerdy be, or yeah. hipster or whatever it is, and yeah. And so, uh, and so, even though I enjoy doing that room, I sometimes have struggled. But that's not a reason not to do the room. No, but and, I understand what you're yeah. saying. So I said to Segura, like, "I bet you think it probably feels a little judgmental at times, you know?" Like, it, but yeah, but then you learn something about it's. It's a. It's a mil- I could give you a million things about that room, but it, I don't dislike it. I like yeah. doing sets there. Yeah. I just, it's uh, it's a different muscle. Yes. And so I said to Tom, I was like, I don't know, I'm going to Meltdown. He goes, no, no, no. That's comedy fans. You're going to love it. Oh, Because yeah. that's like, it's like what it is, it's like a special event. Yeah. It's people who enjoy comedy. Yeah. So if you do comedy, uh, they're going to love it. And I went, really? Yeah. I told the machine story there to a very small group of people. I would say maybe 60 people. Yeah. And I had never had a response like that oh, it, it in crushed. my life. And I, I went, remember. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. No, that room is so non-judgmental. Like, they like all kinds of comedy. Like, we have, like, you know, kind of cu- club comics come and do it, people who just do clubs. And then we have, like, people who just do alt rooms. I feel like that's a room, if you're funny, you're going to do well there. People yeah. are so fucking excited to just see comedy. Like, Daniel Tosh comes by and does that room all the time, you know, and he does no other alt rooms. Yeah. Um, Gaffigan does it all the time. Um, we really wanted to get Bill Burr, but he says he won't do outside of clubs. Which well, it's, there's, the, and the, this is, by the way, this is perception, uh, but sometimes if, if you're famous, an alt club is very easy, so you don't learn anything about yourself. Oh, is that what it is, you yeah, think? Yeah, well, it's like all, all, clubs, all clubs are good. They're really fun. And, they, and for a guy like me who's not by any stretch of the means famous and just a comic and sometimes can get aggressive, it can teach you a lot about how you're being perceived by, by the not loud laughers. Like in a, right. in a club, the loud laughers are the fucking drunk guy. Oh, fuck yeah! Yeah. Stick it to them bitches! Yeah. But when you go to an alt club, they'll be like, huh. Yeah, it's it sounds a tad bit misogynistic. Yeah, um, but it's, so it's interesting to see yourself through the eyes of different kinds of people. Hundred percent. Like yeah. I, I learned what fat shaming was through all clubs. I would have ah. never, never learned about that. Yeah, never learned about that. Yeah, and, but but for someone like Bill or Louie, they walk in and it's like Chris Rock. Yes, like they need to go. Like they want to go to the club clubs where yeah. it's, where it's. Comedy fans that maybe don't know a ton about comedy that just, you know. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not going to speak for Bill. I don't know why Bill doesn't do it. But yeah, like, Louis does it. Yeah. Louis drops in. But for me, like, so, like, this is what I believe what you were saying. So I've sort of set up, like, when I do a show now, I sort of have set up so that it's just people come to see me and they're not there for, you know, like, if you do a comedy club, 60% of them, 70% of them are just people who are there to see comedy and don't <laughs> yes. necessarily know you are a bigger percentage. I was no, 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 no. Uh, when I do a comedy club, yeah. it's, there is a large percentage that are just there to see a show. Yes, for yeah, sure. That's, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. So, so, But when I do these shows, I feel like I could do more weird stuff and kind of be myself. But last or a few months ago, I did a show in Miami. And uh, the big room, two, you know, it was like a – I forget. It was for a festival. It was two, two shows I did that night, big room. And they weren't, they didn't know me. They were just there to see comedy. And I was out there and I did my first thing and I was like, oh, this is a crowd that doesn't know me. And then it was, I was like, all right, got to turn it on, bring it. And it was so fucking fun to have yeah. to, because the thing about being a comedian is somewhat, you know, when you're just going up, you kind of have to win a crowd over. And that's part of being a comic is like going from these people not fucking knowing you, to these people loving you. So if you have a bit of an advantage, like the Silicon Valley fans, you're, they're already on your side. But it was good to do a room where they didn't know Silicon Valley or anything like that. And then you got to win them over. Like, that's fucking super exciting. I was so, like... 
and I perform better than I have in months. You know, it's it's part of the. There's a couple analogies, but it's part of the draw. It's part of what I love about stand up is making strangers laugh. Like strangers yeah. meaning people that don't like. I don't know how many like black rooms you work, but like going. I loved. I you know when I used to do that, like I love doing that kind of stuff, dude. Like, uh, those are those are. It's uh, we're coming up. We're, we'll wrap it up soon. Yeah. Um. But those those rooms are. Those rooms are great when you turn it and you go, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. But it's a difference between, like, I love doing, like, like I'm doing the Ice House yeah. show uh, Wednesday night. But it's like, uh, it's it's me, Rogan, Burr, uh, Ian Edwards, and Segura. Great. It's not, like, not to, but I'm saying that's a more user-friendly room for me. So it's the same feel you have when you go, oh, these people know me. Yeah. When I do that, a lot of those people know me. Yeah. So you can take chances and really kind of be yourself yeah. and explore yeah. and, in a safe environment. And if it doesn't work, you know it's not funny. Yeah. But if it works a little bit, it gives you more balls to take it on the road. Sure, And go, sure. yes. Yeah. Like, there's nothing like that. And that's a beautiful... And the, the fact that you're giving it to other fucking comics, holy shit. Yeah. I, and, I, and I'm speaking from my experience. Performing in Meltdown, you have set up a, a, a set of ground rules where it's like, listen, I hope you're here to see something funny. Yeah. Like, that's what all these people are trying to do. Yeah. So enjoy the night. Yeah. It was one of my favorite fucking shows. I'd do that room in a heartbeat. And I'll tell that to Bill. Maybe Bill and I will come down and do a set. Please down in do. Meltdown. Please do. I'll do it I mean, Wednesday night. It's, 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 it's such a non judgmental, excited room. And honestly, in four years, um, we've only had a couple sets that. I feel were unsuccessful. Everybody else, like you, can come do your A shit and it's going to kill. You can come try new stuff and it's going to kill. And like you said, it is kind of you know like I'll do stuff there and I'll crush it. And I'm like, oh, this bit's ready. You do it somewhere else. Nope, not ready. But it's cool to have that place yeah. where you can go try out new stuff and have it get confidence in you. For me, right now, if I start a bit, even if it's new, if I know it's funny. I feel like the audience is going to love it too. Well, a, a lot of a it's lot just of, confidence. A lot of what we do is going. I know this is funny. Yeah, and I know this is funny. I just need to figure it out, and and it's very hard figuring it out. And say, uh, in I use Des Moines as my example always. It's hard figuring out in Des Moines because you have people who sure. literally came off of their farm to come watch a show, and they don't know who's performing, yeah. but they know they drove eighty miles to see a show that yeah. night because that's where the restaurant their dad wanted to go to was. Yes, and so. It's like I got. I'm. I'm going to tell this joke regardless. I need to work it out on stage. What stages are the best for me to work it out? Yeah. It's like. It's like you know. It's like doing assisted pull-ups. Almost. If that, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Like you're going like, I need to develop these muscles. Hey, were you? You look kind of swole. Were you working out earlier I was today? Out a little bit. Okay. What a All right. <laughs> I gotta have you back on the podcast, man. No, I'd I love to come to back. For, I could talk to you for two fucking I, hours. I, I, I'd, I'd love to come back. I'd love to come back. You're an um, interesting dude, and you're, you're <laughs> one of the nicest guys. And I'm so happy that like your that your show is fucking amazing. It Thanks, so dude. Yeah, fun. you DM me. I was like, that's awesome. I'm. A, it's awesome that you watched the show. I, well, I, I, it's on. It's on the same night. Like I'm a big Game of Thrones guy. Oh, fucking great! Massive right? Game of Thrones guy. Yeah. So it's on the same night as that. I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh, check it out. And I know TJ, and I'm like, yeah. I'll give it a shot. And then I saw you, and I was like, oh, shut the fuck yeah. up. And then I'm watching it. And I'm going, okay. Not only is this, I, I got to be honest with you. Whoever cast that is a balls amazing casting director because you are perfect for your role. You're perfect for your role. Thanks, You're dude. murdering that part. TJ's perfect for his role. He's murdering that part. And everyone in every scene, they put the perfect ensemble cast together. Yeah, it's uh, Jeannie McCarthy, who's an amazing casting director. She's really good. Mike Judge, is he just has like... He sort of is really, really good at casting. Like, if you notice, like, all the little parts, if you remember the part where we go to the Satanist uh, in the basement, and there's the guy who's reading the Satanic thing, and he's just this little nerdy guy, old guy, bald guy with a ponytail. Like, everything he cast, he cast it so well. And I think part of it is because he comes from animation, where you just draw the people you want. So he really thinks about how people look, how they feel. So he'll go through hundreds and hundreds of tapes until he finds the right. The, the person he has in his head, you know? Because he could, like, fucking... he's used to creating these people. That's fucking fascinating. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I love the show. It's so 
well done there and it's like structured perfectly i want to say at any given story there's three story arcs going yeah, on yeah there's a lot of stories and yeah. and there's subtle stories and they're like i mean the fucking programming you falling in love with the programming yeah 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 fucking genius yeah and that's like the third story of that episode you know so yeah. there's like like you said there's a bunch of stories and they all sort of i i tell you the only thing that they fucked up on that yes and this is my note if my yes. judge is listening i wanted tj to give a jerry Maguire speech Oh yeah! I wanted a speech. I wanted because if anyone, if yeah. anyone can do that perfectly, because yeah. you were watching. I mean, they had set it up perfectly of this, 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 and I'm sure that closes it better. But man, I wanted, I wanted because you got that character, such a great character. It's a Bill Murray character, and you have him in front of there in a totally fucking bizarre outfit. And I wanted just something. I want. I was like, I can't. Wait. I didn't know what it was, but I was like, I can't wait to see what it is. Yeah. And then the guy tackles him, and I'm. But it, you know. But it's a good end of the story. Yeah. And I mean, I'm. I don't write sitcoms, so I don't know. But yeah, it was. It. Was, I mean, that tackle. That's one of the things that I really do love about comedy is when you're like when something unexpected happens yeah. and I don't that is such a harsh thing and you're right like part of it's like a little blue balls where you're like it starts and the lights are going up and he's like since the dawn of time man hath and then he just gets fucking tackled yeah so I think that's cool when like it subverts your expectations but I also understand you being like I want to see fucking TJ do a fucking crazy ass speech I wanted to see the speech because yeah. I've seen all the the all the fucking people using the same jargon. And yeah, the same, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, you know, all those Nick Lachey quotes that they'd use, and I wanted to see him. Just, I don't know what I was, I was expecting. Yeah, but I was like, yeah. And then when he got tackled, I laughed. Yeah, I was like, fuck. I, really I want to see the moment. crazy thing. Yeah, yeah. All yeah, right, yeah. I gotta have you back on the podcast. I know Thanks, you gotta buddy. run. Thanks it's for been having me. Great hanging out with you. Thanks for having me, dude. This place is fucking amazing. And Let's next do it time, again. We'll, next time we do this, maybe, we'll, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll do. Uh, all right, all right. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, all right. Dude. Thank you very much, man. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.